Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Binge Boys podcast. I'm your host, Logan Lewis. We've got a guest today. Before we get into any of that, a little few housekeeping things before we get started. The What Are We podcast just launched today, hosted by myself and my good friend, Lindsay, a podcast where we talk about dating and relationships, all that good stuff, all that fun stuff, user-submitted questions and, and stories and all of that fun stuff for the first episode that just dropped today. And on Monday, we have an interview dropping with Alea from The Bachelor in Pilot Pete's season. So check that out. We talked to Alea last Saturday. She's really nice. She was really funny. And she she sat down with us and talked to us. And we had a really good time. So be, be looking out for that. Um, so my guest today is a... What, do you, what, what would you describe yourself as? A media <laughs> mogul? I don't think I'm there yet. Um, it's it's going to take me a few years to get there. I, I'm a, uh, I'll, I'll say this: I'm a, a a veteran of the media the media game. I'll put it okay. that way. Media a game content okay. a content game veteran. Okay, okay, that that's very <laughs> fair. Um, so those of you who don't know, Brett, um, works for a company who specializes in online media, whether it's social media podcasting they do patreon stuff as well i'm a pretty big fan of theirs my roommate my my uh i've even tuned my brother in a a lot of the people that are in my circle i have turned on to uh to these guys um because there's not much to not like uh they're they they produce good (laughs) stuff so um and they're called washed media do you want to um you want to just yeah yeah i'll kind of give the uh the brief overlay where wash media is basically a, a network with the goal of making growing up a little less chaotic so predominantly our audience is sort of the 23 24 year olds up to 35 36 in uh in dylan's case one of our hosts but <laughs> it's kind of the uh the post red you know after you're out of college and you have a little bit of money and you're 25 26 looking for a, a new job or looking to buy a house we kind of relate with that sort of group of people um Cultural stuff, pop culture, sports, uh, pretty much, you know, any topic that somebody that age would be interested in, dating relationships, weddings, I mean, all kinds of things we kind of cover. And uh, we try to do it with a, a little bit of a, you know, a funny, snarky, elevated humor aspect to it. And and I think part of the reason we're, we're, we've been successful with it is that people end up listening and they feel like they could be friends with the hosts, even though they might have never have met them. So um and like you said i appreciate you had you know getting your your roommate involved and your brother involved and sure. um and that, yeah that's kind of the way we like to grow is word of mouth is, is the best way to get people on board yeah i agree it's um when when trying to turn people on to you guys so i i listened to the the, the guys sit back um when touching base was a thing when they worked at grand x and people when I tried to recommend that podcast to people, I had the same, <laughs> I don't want to say difficulty when recommending circling back, but it's definitely like a, so what's, what's the elevator pitch? And it's like, it's three or four guys that just talk about stuff <laughs> for an hour every other day. And, uh, and it just works. They just have, they just have something and it just works. Yeah. I, I guess the best way I like to describe it is it's like happy hour with your best friends a couple of times a week. You yep. know, when you're sitting down in a bar at a table with three or four of your coworkers, maybe they're not your best, best friends, but they're, they're close enough that you get the office gossip, you get the uh, what's going on in sports. Somebody will bring up a funny tweet. So it's really a happy hour. And we put a mic in front of everybody. And 
for some reason, that just, I think it has something to do with the chemistry and something to do with kind of the niche that we're in. It just works. And yeah, it's like three and a half guys uh, drinking beers at a bar in the corner. That's kind of how the, the you know, the 30 second pitch to it. And, sure. and it takes four or five episodes to get in. But once you do, oh. uh, it's, I, I was the same way. I started listening to Touching Bass and back when I was at Barstool and I couldn't, you know, I couldn't not listen every week. I just felt like I was buddies with the guys and it, and it turned into this. Yeah. So, so I've got some questions, man. Um, uh, you answered a few of them the other day on, I think it was Monday's episode when Dylan was out, um, mm-hmm. where you stepped in and you said you were a finance major in college. So yeah. how did, how did that, <laughs> what, did you, did you like work an internship and realize finance wasn't your thing? Did you graduate with a finance degree and then just use your resume and experience to just get you your foot in the door or elsewhere? Like how that, How'd that work out? How'd you get to Barstool, I guess, is my overarching question. Sure. So I went to Northeastern University uh, up in Boston, and they do this thing called a co-op program, which is basically for six months out of the year, either January to June or July to December, you're working basically full time. It's a it's a paid full time job that you're doing 40 hours a week now. You can live on campus in Boston and do it. Or we had kids go to China and India and uh, London and all kinds of places to do co-ops with, whether it's like a Goldman Sachs or an HSBC, kind of, that, you know, banking and marketing, all kinds of stuff. But I ended up doing mine with the Denver Broncos um, in their scouting department. I kind of reached out to every team in the league one summer, and I was actually on my first co-op reaching out to teams, and I did my first co-op with – a, uh, a finance company. And I thought I wanted to be the Wall Street guy. I thought I wanted to be the hedge fund guy. I, I was really kind of dead set on that coming out of high school. And then I did it for six months and I was like, fuck this. Get, can I swear on this? I'm sorry. You can, you can totally swear. <laughs> Don't worry. Um, so yeah, six months later, I was like, man, this sucks. I do not want to do this for the rest of my life. And um, ended up getting a job or internship co-op with the Broncos and uh, did that for six months and kind of expected to keep doing it after I graduated. And, you know, when that opportunity kind of fell through after I graduated, I was like, oh, you know, fuck, I don't really have anything that I want to do besides scouting. And that turned into like, well, maybe I'll do real estate or maybe I'll do, uh, you know, corporate finance somewhere. And the Barstool job popped up uh, one day because Eric Nardini, their CEO, tweeted, "Um, I need somebody to like feed Big Cat and somebody to keep an eye on the shenanigans or something that goes along those lines. And I didn't know what the job was. I just I sent an email um, with my resume and, and uh, got a call, you know, did, did like a, a video inter or video interview, excuse me, with one of the guys there and ended up working out. And so uh, office manager Brett was born after that. And then uh, spent a couple of years there and, and worked, you know, did office manager for a year. And then did content programming for a year, which was kind of the scheduling of tweets and scheduling of original content and whatnot. And then made my way into like the sales and marketing department, which I ended up loving. And that's kind of why I, I had known about the guys at Touching Base. I'd known about Grand X. I was a PGP and TFM reader way back in the day mm-hmm. and um, kind of knew about the guys from that. And when you're at Barstool, you have a little bit of a, an amplified Twitter presence, I guess. And so we followed each other at some point. And then uh, when Dylan and Dave got let go, I was actually, I, I DM'd with Dylan and Dave because I, I'd known them through uh, intern Klein, 
yeah. who is, is a character on the Wash Media Network. And um, so through that connection, I had kind of known them outside of the Barstool world. And so I actually, my initial thought was to get them to Barstool. I was like, these guys would be great. I want yeah. their podcast in the network. And um, I, I guess, you know, they ended up kind of talking, flirting with Barstool. Nothing ever came of it. Um, but after that and after seeing what they started at Washed, I, I was sort of dead set uh, at some point on becoming uh, a member of that, that team. And, you know, I was really happy at Barstool. Like three years, I will never, ever take back. And I was, I was treated, you know, behind the scenes, I was treated fantastically. And you might see something different if you Google my name. But um, it, it was really a, the perfect stepping stone for, for getting to Washed. And then things kind of aligned from there and ended up kind of talking to Dylan in August of 2019. And, and uh, the rest is sort of history. Ended up here down in Texas. Yeah, the my initial thought was when I heard that, you know, when, when that whole like shift in Grand X happened and I know like I think Micah was let go at one point or Micah quit maybe. I know Will quit once Wash kind of started up and Dylan and Dave got let go as well as like a, a bunch of other people. Like no one was talking about it. They weren't like public about it. And I was thinking, oh, uh, they'll be fine. They'll probably end up just going to work at Barstool because like when I think of like mm-hmm. two big like if you want to say like I know Barstool does more than like college content but like like you like you said wash does wash has content that is directed at a certain age group and i think barstool does too um sure so i was like oh uh when i think of the two giants in that realm i think of barstool and tfm or grand x or whoever you want to maybe maybe old row i guess mm-hmm. um, yeah like there was that uh kind of that sweet spot from like 20 20- 14 to 15 when when tfm was really popping barstool was just starting to kind of become this behemoth um those those were the two kind of giants in the space yeah and barstool decided to go this route of and and they're like dave portnoy is an absolute genius and so is erica so is big cat i mean the talent they have there is absolutely ridiculous and, and how hard they work and it's a testament to you know where they're at now um but they decided to kind of lean into the the video and the uh, the sports kind of betting and and that that angle just kind of launched them into the stratosphere. And TFM, you know, to their credit, they still have a million followers on Twitter. And PGP uh, is another one of those things that that kind of spawned the Touching Base podcast. So that was no failure at all. It just kind of you know things behind the scenes didn't go perfectly, and you ended up where you're at. But um, really a testament to both of those companies building those brands in the early, you know, 2010, 2011, 2012 days. You know, what's funny, complete side note. Um, when, when the boys first started making fun of you for saying both, <laughs> I, I threw and through like was yelling in my car. Like I understand because my family is originally from like uh, they, my, both my parents were born in Illinois and I was born, born in Illinois as well. And just my entire life, I'd said both until I met a girl down here in Atlanta. And uh-huh. she, I think one day I said both and she was like, both, both, both. And every time I said it, she just said it to the point where I trained myself to just stop saying it because I was tired of <laughs> calling me out on saying, like adding the L before the TH. It was, it was horrible. 
Dude, I and you know what's funny? I I never noticed it, and I think oh, no. that's probably a, a product of upstate New York. I never knew anything was like not that it's wrong to say it that way, but like yeah. I just never noticed it. And then down here, my girlfriend does the same thing. She's like both, both, both. I'm like, yeah. oh, and the and the guys do it every time. It's it's kind of funny, but I didn't. And now, like every time I say it, I catch myself. Oh, and every time you say it, like I'm wait, like on the pod, I'm waiting for one of them to say both. <laughs> like it's. To the point where I've even noticed, like, my mom, I'm like, hey, mom, you ever notice that you say both, right? She's like, no. I'm like, <laughs> Apparently, there's a lot of people in our shoes. <laughs> right. And you'd think, like, you'd think Will would understand being from up there. And, and yeah. he, he he's, no, he's like, it's both. It's both. It's both. I'm like, oh, man. But, yeah. You know, and then it's, it's funny. I've gone back to Saratoga a few times now since that whole both thing started happening. And everybody's both. Same thing in Boston. It's it's kind of funny to uh to see i'm like okay so i'm not i'm not terribly wrong yeah 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 totally so when you started working at barstool i know barstool and tfm probably have the reputation of like being like i don't want to call them like party brands but like like i said earlier they're associated with like when i see barstool content or tfm content i think of like partying or college or when you graduate college and go to work for a company like that was anybody ever like like were your parents ever like skeptical or like, why, why are you going to work for a company that has that kind of brand? Like, was anybody ever like that towards you? Um, I get my mom definitely was my mom. It like, she, you know, if you go to barstoolsports.com in 2016, it's a very different, uh, very oh. different site than it is today. Right. And my dad was actually like kind of not a fan, but, but knew the brand. And I had showed him some PMT episodes before I got hired. And so he was like, Oh, this is cool. You know, it's just, it's the way me and my buddies would have talked if I was your age, you know, today. And um, so, no, it was, I, I was really excited. And you know, I was like, I was like employee number 20 something, 23 or 24 at, the, at that point. And um, I was the youngest person in that office, if you can believe that. So I get there, I'm expecting there to be like, you know, you know beer cans all over the place. I'm expecting there to be like this party atmosphere. And no, it's just everybody like head down doing the work. And everybody's like 28, 29, 30 at that point. And it's like a real company. And so that was kind of like, not surprising, but sort of refreshing to kind of yeah. come in and see that even though they're sort of a party brand and they put out like party related content at their core, it's just a business with yeah. a bunch of hardworking people. Yeah, it's, it's still a business and they still have to keep the lights on. So mm -hmm. maybe you do have a ping pong table on the back, like back room, but <laughs> people are still grinding for nine out of the 10 hour work days, maybe. Absolutely. Yeah, even longer than that, people would get in, you know, probably a little later than a normal job, you know, between 10 and 11, but people yeah. stayed till six, seven, 8 PM. Mm -hmm. And then we'd end up, the office was so fun, especially initially because there was room before we had like a million people in that place. Mm -hmm. When there was room, we played like cornhole, we played, you know, beer dive, beer pong and and we had the TVs all set up. So people would just work and then right into watching, you know, whatever seven o'clock hockey game or seven o'clock basketball tip was was on. You'd have 10, 12 guys that would just hang out afterwards. And so it sort of uh, amplified that that family atmosphere where you really didn't want to leave the office. And mm -hmm. even though it was, you know, a, a kind of a fun place after dark, you still got your work done in order to be, to be able to do that. So, sure. yeah. Um, so oddly enough, so the other day I got lost in the YouTube wormhole and I was just watching videos, watching videos, watching videos. And, um, one of my suggested video 
was a video of like Portnoy interviewing like potential interns or something. And oddly enough, like you're in the mm -hmm. video and it was like, Oh yeah. It was like short haired Brett. And initially I was like, that looks like Brett, but then I was like, nah, he doesn't have the hair. There's, there's no way that's Brett. <laughs> and it was you. So I was wondering since you're so heavily involved with like the, the happy hours that wash does as well as just being stand-ins or an extra voice on the mic whenever the boys need it or want you um it seems like it was completely natural for you did you were you involved with like because i know barstool has several podcasts that they offer and, and produce and, and and whatnot so was it something that you ever dipped your toes in where you were there or did you just kind of step into the the fold at washed and it just worked for you as well. Yeah, I think so. I never did content at Barstool outside of like sort of being content adjacent. There's a couple people there, all business Pete, for example, that kind of just get nudged into the content game, whether they want to be or not. I never wanted to be, but once you're, you know, I was there at a time when there was only content people there. There really wasn't much of a business team and there really wasn't much of a, you know, a product team or marketing team. I was sort of the behind the scenes, like do it all, go for business guy, along with being the office manager and, and Erica's assistant at the time. Mm -hmm. And so I just got to create relationships with all the content guys. Like um, I would go have beers with Riggs and and Kevin and Feidelberg and K Marco across the street. He got me into old fashions, for example, like just kind of being adjacent and and talking to those guys, especially outside the office when we could be at a bar or just having dinner or something like that, got me into the mindset where I took, you know, content skills from them and kind of saw the way they talked and the way they made conversation, the way they were able to put their words together to make something funny and entertaining. And then once I kind of got into more of the content marketing side of things and was building pitch decks and was was being creative with the guys that was a huge help for me because i could you know a lot of the times the salespeople at barstool get scared to like go talk to big cat mm -hmm. and they just don't know him and he's this this giant celebrity where i'd been there for years and i could go and be like hey dan you know can can we talk about this and he'd be like of course yeah. um but it was able to, to so being around those guys and the creativity and the girls like ria fran they're they're a phenomenal combo being around everybody kind of got me in the mindset where I was starting to think more content, not necessarily wanted to be a part of the content, but, but had ideas like, Hey, y'all should do this sort of a, a producer, if sure. you will. Yeah. Like if you, if you guys should cover this or you guys should do this, this road trip. And it was fun to see some of those ideas come to life. Like the Barstool classic, for example, was something Riggs and I talked about over multiple beers at, at you know, at multiple times. And, and it's fun to see where he took that thing. Cause it's, and, and it's so, so successful, but just got to being around the guys and being around the girls and, and getting involved in their content made me, I think, ready, I guess, to be put on a mic and, and talking about this and that and the other thing. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Yeah. It always, it always seemed like when, you know, a lot of people, or at least myself, when I, when I heard that they were bringing another guy and he was going to be on the mic more, I was like, like at first I was like, is he going to, no offense, like upset the, the trio or is he going to, be a bull in the china shop type thing but no you got in there and you you killed it initially like and mm -hmm. do and i was like man that this, this kid knows what he's doing but then you know once they start gotten into you know he worked at barstool i just assumed that you did content for them before learning about you over the course of you know however long you've been with washed at this point 
Sure. Yeah, no, the, I mean, the guys have been great. Like, it's kind of one of those roles where obviously the three of them are so talented and work so well together. That was my uh, concern of mine, too. Like, I don't want to come in and mess up this mojo. And so you just kind of have to pick your spots and and be the quiet kind of fourth mic uh, producer sort of role. And and if they need something, be there for it. If you have it, like, a, eventually I was kind of confident and comfortable enough to jump in at certain points. and. Sure. But but they've I mean they've been phenomenal to me and and they're just a phenomenal trio it, not only in what they do but off the mic too I mean they are exactly how you guys all think they are you know just just really really good dudes and I think that kind of rubs off in their content you can kind of tell oh yeah yeah definitely um, damn I had a, a really good follow up to that oh so earlier you mentioned briefly about how like you had DM'd back and forth with Dylan and you were kind of cool with Dave as well. Um, was it maybe, maybe going back to the parent question again, were you or anybody you knew in your life was like skeptical, like, Hey, Brett, you're leaving this, this behemoth that is Barstool. That is pretty much one of the biggest internet companies out there right now. Um, and you're about to leave it and go work with three other dudes in Austin, Texas at a small media startup. Were you like ever scared or were you just like confident? in these three guys that they had what it takes and you were going to be a okay. Yeah. Honestly, like I, looking back now, I, sh- I probably should have been scared. I probably um, like, you know, knowing what I know now, but no, I never had that feeling. And a lot of my friends who, you know, maybe even if they weren't diehard barstool fans were just like, dude, like, what are you thinking? You are set here. And I could have sat at the same desk doing my same thing for another 10 years and made a great salary and, and been happy. Mm-hmm. But I was I was kind of ready. You know, the Barstool is a funny thing where it's sort of like dog years. You know, three years at Barstool feels like 15 years yeah. in your personal life. And and that's part of the reason they're so successful is because it's it's 24-7, not stop. Right. And but it, it got to a point where I was ready to get out of New York. I hated living in Manhattan. Um, right. I missed like, you know, being from upstate New York, you miss the nature, you miss the outdoors, I miss driving. So I was just so ready to get out of New York and my apartment. I had to walk up five flights of stairs to get to every day. And I was, you know, living in a, a room that was 10 by eight and I'm like, just not the, not comfortable. And I, and honestly, I just did see something in these guys at washed that reminded me of Barstool in like 2014, 15, right. Just kind of this ready, like this crazy dedicated niche audience ready to sort of explode. And I told myself, do you want to be comfortable in what you're doing? And, and do you want to be sitting here doing your thing and kind of never really making it to where you want to be? Or do you want to take a chance? And I, I couldn't forgive myself if, say, I didn't do that and they had kind of taken off. So yeah. it was sort of one of those leaps of faith that I look back on now and, and I'm, I'm so glad I did it. So also um... – kind of switching gears to a different side of things. So I've always noticed this and I wondered if maybe, you know, the answer, maybe you don't, but we'll see. So mm-hmm. kind of like how we did at the beginning of this pod and a lot of podcasts do this either at the beginning or the end or both. They have, um, you know, housekeeping, follow this, follow that, follow this, follow that. Um, circling back doesn't really do that. They don't really, I mean, they, you know, with the occasional like at DC rough on Instagram or whatever, you know, they they'll plug themselves organically, but like 
do they just are they just confident in the fact that like yeah, if people want to follow they'll follow and they don't really care about the social media following or or is it because they do that niche like oh at d, d, d like that you know they plug themselves organically throughout the episodes like is is there a strategy there or is it just again another organic thing that just works yeah i think it's kind of more of an organic thing we probably could do more promotion honestly like in episode of like hey listen to this sunday scaries episode or right. listen to this mail-in episode we probably could cross promote more than we do and it, and it's sort of just part of what makes the show so special is that it really just is this conversation that you would have at a bar and the run like the run sheets we have are like the first three things are like intro the guest or intro whoever and then it's just topics and and ad reads and it's so it's just crazy how how well it flows and we just haven't had the need to to plug stuff like that and, and you know what's funny is our download like you looked at the followers for circling back on twitter and instagram and compared to like our downloads it's a crazy difference so it's cool to know that there are people out there who couldn't care less about a circling back podcast tweet that yeah. just listened to the show for their own kind of personal like and and so that's kind of cool too so but i mean we'd like to convert them to followers or whatever but then again if you're a 31 year old dude who doesn't really care about instagram or twitter or whatever you're just kind of going to listen to the podcast and that's fine yeah. but um we you know one of my goals is is to increase those followings and you know we, we talk about widening the funnel at the top of the circling back sort of network and and that's because we have this crazy awesome niche audience and we'd like to introduce more people to to that feeling in that community gotcha so relating to that so you are the quote-unquote office manager brett for washed as well what exactly you know you know no offense like what is your day-to-day when you are not on the mic with them what are you like i've i've never understood like are y'all working obviously maybe not right now just because of the circumstances with covid and everything but are y'all just on your laptops at home just what do you what do you do like what is your day to day <laughs> like like yeah are- so uh, i mean i was originally hired basically to take the ad sales portion of things off of their hands and so really simply that's emailing every agency we work with and emailing every brand we work with and making sure they're happy, making sure, you know, they're trying to facilitate that from an account manager standpoint. And then there's like the kind of the flip side of that, which is looking for new business, you know, building, uh, building out a deck was one of the first things I, I wanted to do when I got here that kind of showed us exactly or showed brands exactly who we were right. and kind of, you know, whenever you see an Instagram story of something that, you know, like a sponsored one, like, Oh, that, that product makes sense for our audience. Yeah. And kind of getting into, um, developing, developing business. Honestly, I, you know, mm-hmm. business development is sort of my title. And, um, so you see that with things like manscaped and bird dogs that we've sure. been doing the last couple of weeks that are totally these organic partnerships that I've gone out and kind of hunted down in a way. Um, right. and, and that's kind of what I love doing is, is telling the story of these guys to brands and telling the story of our audience to these brands that, I'm like, hey, you're not going to find a more engaged audience, even though you know we might not be doing PMT numbers, but our, I'll put our audience, you know, pound for pound up against those kind of podcasts any day. So that's kind of one half of it, and then the other half is thinking about 
kind of the strategy, you know, where are we going? What do we have here? Do we want to do new stuff? And a lot of my time is spent thinking that we have this great audience, but how do we grow it? And so you, you kind of build this like year long timeline and this, this roadmap of where I'd like washed media to be and be able to monetize that and be able to grow that. And then it's kind of getting the guys on board with that vision. And they've had this, you know, this, this thing where they're sort of scared to, to, to have wash turn into what happened to grand X. And I get that. There's like this PTSD sort of deal there, Mm -hmm. but they also appreciate the outside perspective and kind of the different thought process from somebody who's seen a company like Barstool go from 20 employees to 200 in three years. So, a lot of my time is spent thinking about ad sales. A lot of my time is spent thinking about programming and how we can be better, um, what we need, what what could we use from a new podcast perspective and how to grow our Patreon. So in a way, it's sort of like merch development, audience development, business development kind of wrapped into one are sort of my, my day-to-day. Always something to work on, that's for sure. Yeah, cool. Last business question before we get into the quintessential binge boys fun questions or say i was wondering this the other day i didn't plan on asking you this but it just popped into my head so so you guys started out and you had circling back that was always going to be a thing some kind of form of touching base was was going to be a thing um as well as i know right before i'm pretty sure maybe like a couple weeks or a month before dylan and dave got laid off is when dylan was given the the mailbag i think it was at Mm -hmm. grand x and then Will has always had Sunday scaries for as long as whenever. Um, but then y'all acquired Club Cool. What was yes. that like? I know Barrett wasn't Barrett also a Grand X personality as well. Um, how yeah. did that work out? Because I know like you've kind of dipped into like, well, why why Club Cool and not Ross, you know, Ross's stuff, or you know, why this, why not that? So how did the Club Cool thing come together? I've always just been curious. Yeah, I think that was it was before my time from like an acquisition standpoint. So I don't know exactly how it came together, but I do know that Barrett's always been good buddies with the guys. And um, that sort of it, it just kind of came into that Barrett had the the IP for Club Cool that he got from Grand X and wanted to continue doing the podcast, but couldn't really commit to a full time that we couldn't really pay him full time sure. at that point because we just didn't we weren't big enough yet. Um, so we were like, Hey, let's, you know, from what I, from what I know about the situation kind of was like, Hey, if we will take a percentage of your ad deals, you can have the rest and you can have the IP and we'll just kind of monetize it and promote it as part of our network. So it's a model that a lot of companies have. Barstool has it sometimes where they acquire a podcast and take a piece of their ad revenue and, or they, you know, they generate new stuff from within, but that's kind of on the club cool angle, something that I want to continue doing going forward. Once we have a little bit of capital and we have a little bit of uh, momentum and, and know where we want to be as a network, getting more podcasts like a club cool, like a Ross bowl. And like, uh, you know, I, I can't sure. speak to acquiring Ross or anything, but right. Um, I know he's obviously good friends with the guys and um, you know, he's, he's got a good thing going for himself at bowling media. and with his right. kind of Yeah. Work. So, but, but it's always nice to have, you know, options, whether it's him or, or guys from the, that do hockey podcasts that I know, or do, you know, girls, especially we'd love to have a girl podcast, yeah, um, a female podcast, female perspective podcast at some point. So it's kind of, you know, all over the board in terms of our, our podcast network capability, because 
we have such a big audience that's both male and female mm-hmm. and such a big audience that likes different stuff, but kind of has that same backbone of being a, a post-red millennial kind of yeah. uh, person that's that that's trying to figure out life as it, as they go. So long story short, long winded way of saying that we're looking to grow and yeah. we've, we've loved what's what Barrett's done with club cool. And we'll always be keeping an eye out for, for new podcast assets and new video assets and new, you know, editorial assets at some point. So sure. it's a, it's a fun place to be in right now. Yeah, I can tell. So yeah, we'll, we'll switch gears and we'll get into the fun stuff. The, the quintessential <laughs> stuff that I ask pretty much everybody that I'll uh, interview on this, on this podcast, um, the entertainment questions, because this is a entertainment podcast at the end of the day. Um, even though sometimes uh, we don't talk about entertainment, it's uh, it all circles back. But me and the <laughs> me and the other hosts, uh, and and basically everybody in our circle is either a fan of TFM or Washed or uh, Barstool or, or all three. So um, so it all works out. So Brett, what is what if if you can nail one down? Uh, mm-hmm. What's your favorite movie ever? Favorite, and this may be maybe a cliche answer. It's Wedding Crashers. It wow! Is, it is the movie. I know people make fun of it. I know it's like the it's like oh, you watch The Office too, huh? But oh, Wedding yeah. Crashers is my favorite movie, and I can I can throw it on and laugh at it and watch it every day. And it's just I can quote the whole thing. And for some reason, that whole movie kind of comes together for me. And I I just. It, one of those movies that kind of makes you feel good, you know, those, those nostalgic movies that oh, yeah. you can throw on. And there's a couple of them that I'd love. Like anytime you see shooter on TNT, go yeah. across the TV, that's a must. You stick with that one. Uh, the Patriot um, independence day is another one for me. Uh, but it's, it's that type of movie that I really gravitate towards and wedding crashers is definitely number one. For me. Yeah. It's like a coming of age. It just make, makes you feel good when you watch it. It, yeah, I that's that's funny. I don't know if I ever if you've ever brought that up on on circling back or not, but that's I did not see that one coming. I thought you were <laughs> going to say something along the lines of like American Pie or um or I don't know, maybe so, like Breakfast Club or something like that. Yeah, I mean those are classics too. Like the, like you said the coming of age ones like uh Out Cold is another one oh, that yeah. I just love. American Pie, love. I uh, the boys got me to watch um Can't Hardly Wait for the first time and really enjoyed that one. So yeah. Obviously, like the old schools of the world, that era sure. is so, so good. You know, 2000 to 2007, eight, when you had Step Brothers and whatnot, is so, so, so talented with Farrell in his prime and Vince Vaughn in his prime. Right. Yeah. Those are, the, I, I, you can watch any of those movies over and over again, but, but Wedding Crashers kind of takes the cake for me just, just from a quote standpoint. Yeah. Oh, yeah. If, if, that's, that's always a pretty good measured, like, my favorite movies are definitely movies that I could quote start to finish. Happy Gilmore, Dumb and Dumber, stuff like that. Just I could you could throw it on and put a blindfold on me and I could probably recite the whole thing. Hundred percent. And something that like an inside joke with your buddies in the group text is is a line from that movie or sure. your fantasy football team growing up was always called like what if crab cakes and football or something. You know, it's like it's yeah. that's what it's just stuff like that that really sticks with you. And um and yeah, just kind of one of those movies that makes you feel good watching it. Yeah, I hear you, man, 100%. So along that movie, um, along the movie sideline, uh, what about Disney movies? We've all got 
we've all got at least millennials or whatever you want to call us. We all we all we all grew up with like those classic animated Disney flicks. Uh, do you have a favorite? Hercules. Wow. Number one. I loved what? that movie, and I I can't like explain it. I'm a fan of all of them, Lion King and Jungle Book and every animated Disney movie. You know is okay in my mind but hercules i remember just putting it on like remember the fucking vhs things you used to have to rewind and to go to the thing in and you had to twist it around exactly yeah you go to blockbuster and snag three or four movies and in, in the sleeves you used to yeah. pull them out of but hercules i had on as as much as i did it was weird i had like top gun on all the time too as as like a six seven eight year old yeah i just remember watching top gun and loving it and uh, but Hercules was was always up there for me as far as Disney movies go. That's dope. That's dope. How do you feel about uh, Disney making a live action Hercules remake as they've done the past couple of years, you know, with Lion King and Jungle Book and some of their more popular IPs? Um, mm-hmm. I saw the other day that I think um, the directors of the new I think, uh, Endgame, the Avengers movie, are supposed to do Hercules live action. No shit. This is so this is news to me. I haven't heard this yet. Yes, this is this is my breaking news, Brad. <laughs> this is Logan's breaking news. <laughs> yeah, that's um, fantastic. Is there yeah. is there like a word on who the lead is or anything? Uh, you got to think that it's no. There's no there's no leads. I think they're just writing scripts right now. But you okay. got to think maybe Chris Hemsworth or for for Hercules. I don't know if do you have a dream casting if if it, for the cast of this movie. I think Will Arnett would be a good. Hades. Okay. Yeah. Oh, Sar- yeah. I mean, that's that's a perfect casting. So, just like a sarcastic, sarcastic douchebag, which is what Hades is, and Will yes. Will Arnett just has that comedy style. Oh, a hundred percent. I'm gonna go. Uh, Natalie Portman for her. Mm-hmm. I think she'd be fantastic, and maybe like I'm trying to think of, like. Uh, because he's kind of has like reddish hair and and the Greek look to him, so I'm, I'm trying to think of like a like a Ben Askren UFC type yeah. of actor I, who you know you, you can make him as manly and as mm-hmm. as bulky as a Chris Hemsworth, but also kind of has that like boyish face in a way. Yeah, I don't but, know if there's a a dream casting. Yeah, that's a great question. It's a it, that's a tough one because the obvious answer would be something like John Cena or The Rock or you know just someone that's just obscenely muscular because that's what Hercules is is just obscenely muscular. Right. Um, right I've right. heard rumors of like a kind of a, an Avengers reunion with Chris Hemsworth as Hercules and Scarlett Johansson as as her. Oh. Um, I mean, that you can't go wrong with which, that. No, you can't you can't get enough ScarJo. Um No, never. So I, I still love your Will Arnett Hades thing. I think oh, that, that's like that's like too perfect. Yeah, that's that I, I came up with that the other day when we were discussing it on this show, and I thought, dude, Will Arnett, I can't think of anybody else now that I name Will Arnett. <laughs> like, I know. It's like uh with with what they did with Lion King with uh Timon and Pumba being it uh Seth Rogan and, and Billy uh Eichner, yeah, and then John Oliver being Zazu. Uh, Zazu. Those that's three of the most perfect castings. Oh, I think easy. And say what you want about the movie, but those three castings were you can't get better than that. What'd you think of the movie? It was fine. It did its job. It it was good. I enjoyed it. It's not gonna blow your socks off, I guess. I just don't think you can recapture the magic 
of what they had and you can try and it's maybe it's a money grab in a way but like yeah you know i don't know lion king was my favorite all-time uh animated disney movie and you can um you can make the argument that it might have been a money grab just because what what john favreau did with jungle book was amazing and i thought the jungle book was really good um but then i think he maybe just was like oh uh clearly this live action animal stuff cgi shit it works so let's just mm-hmm. take the most beloved or one of the most beloved animal movies of all time and just make it 100 i still can't believe that that's 100 percent cgi like it's it's just imagine 20 years from now what they're doing absolutely i mean it is stunning but don't let me don't get me wrong it is an absolutely stunning movie but you know just it just kind of lacks the the certain magic of the the, the animated one and and it's t- i mean shoot it's tough to recreate the one of the most beloved movies of all time right yeah i 100 percent agree so switch switching gears to more i don't want to say serious but so we've mm-hmm. all been trapped in quarantine um for a while atlanta's for the most part at least trying to open back up um they've they've lifted a lot of the stuff throughout this quarantine has there been any uh docu-series or just series in general that you sat down and told yourself at the beginning of this thing like okay during quarantine i'm gonna watch this hopefully finish it what have you been what you've been watching lately anything out of this world i know you guys discussed epstein um me and the guys talked about that last week um yeah what what you've been watching man yeah so going into quarantine i i kind of I've never really been like a crazy TV guy, if that's fair. I, you know, I've done Game of Thrones was about the only thing I followed like religiously. Sure. But I've never, I, I watched a few episodes of Breaking Bad. I watched a few episodes of Sons of Anarchy, a few episodes of Narcos. I've never been like in, in, in on t- movies and TVs, a series, excuse me. And, um, but Succession, Billions, and I rewatched uh, Letter Kenny, which is like a Canadian trailer park boys on Hulu. And it's fantastic. But I, I kind of sat down and watched Succession from start to finish. I've watched five seasons of Billions now and love every second of that series. And I've been huge on like, remember like Planet Earth, like the, yeah. the David Attenborough series? Hell yeah. That's like what I do every night before I go to bed That's- is pop on one of those. And perfect. you're living, you're living oh. like a little glass of whiskey and planet earth on. Dude, it's so incredible. <laughs> yeah. But so that's really been, and I've been so tempted to like go to target and get a PS4 and like just go to town on call of duty or FIFA or something like that. But I know if I did, I would be so addicted to it. I would just never get off the thing. I'm really glad that you brought that up because my next question was going to be the PS4 thing about, mm-hmm. So you talked about getting the PS4 several times. I think one, I think a few weeks ago, maybe you said, yeah, you know, I'm kind of over it. Um, uh, did you think, were you ever like a gamer growing up or was that just like in a situation where it's like, okay, I'm trapped indoors for three months. Might as well go buy a video game console. Uh, yeah. Of- I was never really a huge gamer growing up. I had a, uh, I just kind of got, I'm not, not in it to it late, but like I had a GameCube and I never had an N64 and I. then I had then I had an Xbox 360, and that was about my max. Was like playing Call of Duty, Modern Warfare uh, on on Xbox 360. Yeah. And then 
in college, my roommate, uh, he had a PS4. And so you, you kind of got, I kind of got more into it in college, but I've never really had the itch to play until like 4 a.m. Yeah. type of thing. Right. If I, I played, it would be an hour or I'd play a couple of games of Madden and jump off, or I'd play a couple of games of Shell and jump off. Um, but I, I think I would have pulled the trigger this quarantine if I hadn't. I, w- I was basically at my girlfriend's parents' house for a month. And that allowed me to kind of get my mind off. If, if I was in my apartment the whole time, I would have pulled the trigger for sure. Oh, sure. Yeah. I'm glad you didn't because <laughs> because this the whole time that you've been talking about buying a PS4, and even when Dylan was talking about buying a PS4, I was like uh-huh. screaming at my mic. And I'm sure some people like reached out to you guys on Twitter. And I was like, guys, in like two months, the new PlayStation 5 will be released and the new <laughs> Xbox. In fact, I think it's Tuesday, Thursday, they're announcing the hardware and the games that's coming out on PS5 this this holiday season. No shit. Is yes. there any, like, what's the leak behind it? Is there anything good? I, they've announced what the controller looks like. Uh, basically like this, it literally looks like a gun that you'd see in like, star trek it, it's like this white uh glowy it, it it basically looks like some like if you look at the google image of it you'll be like that looks fake because it's so like futuristic looking that it looks fake okay. looks photoshopped but there's there's not much they there's nothing been confirmed yet they've pretty much same with xbox kept everything pretty tight under wraps um obviously with covid e3 the big gaming convention uh that usually that that they would have announced the new consoles by now it got shut down this year because of coronavirus so that's why i guess sony's having their little private event on thursday um but yeah this is is the sound of me uh buying sony and microsoft stock right now ahead of this (laughs) dude my my group chat with all my buddies has been growing up or blowing up all week especially with like airline stock like delta like a bunch of us went and got some delta stuff when it was really low oh yeah um, i've never been a big <laughs> i i have never been a stock guy uh until like honestly until i listened to the episode where you guys talked about stonks <laughs> that that day i like texted my dad and was like hey can we talk about stocks i know nothing about stocks and that's what turned into him going like oh i just got this robin hood app you should download it they'll give you a free stock um, of course, they gave me AMC, which is a movie theater that just filed for bankruptcy. <laughs> just, just filed for bankruptcy. So, uh, oh no, love my sixty cent stock there. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, man, we've we've been blowing up all week talking about stocks. Yeah, it's it's something that's like I've always loved stocks. I've always loved the market. I've always loved not necessarily playing the market, but just like doing the research and. And, you know, before I got into scouting, you know, pro football players, I'd like to think of myself as I was scouting stocks. I would do like these write-ups here and there and I loved it. But that's kind of turned into me talking about it with the guys more because, you know, that Will doesn't know a lot about it. Dylan doesn't know anything about it. And we've been texting back and forth. But like something like that with guys like you and myself and the, and the podcast guys, it'd be so valuable to have something on our website that kind of talks you through stocks or talks about picks and have a, even have a, like a business related podcast. So that's, that's one of those things that just like constantly in my brain about how to grow washed media is like, okay, well, what if we did stock talk, but like for 26, 27 year olds yeah. who don't have a business degree, but also appreciate a little bit more of like an, an elevated or educated conversation on it. So we'll see. That's uh, the the last few weeks have definitely piqued our interest 
in sort of the stock market trading world. Oh yeah. I, I think stocks belongs in that category of like things that they should have taught you in either college. Like it should have been a mandatory, like before you graduate class or like even in high school, like how to do taxes, how to negotiate buying a car, all this stuff that if I didn't have my dad, like, I don't know where the hell I'd be. Yeah, dude. Like the, I mean, same, like the life, the life skills, uh, not necessarily like how to boil water or whatever, but like how to negotiate for a car, like you said, how to buy stocks, how to, how to do your taxes, how to, uh, shoot, how to like save for like, how much does a wedding cost? I didn't know until like, until like this year I was like, Oh shit. It's, it's not like 2,500 bucks. (laughs) Yeah. It's (laughs) times times 10. Yeah, exactly. Like last weekend, somebody, one of my buddies was saying like, yeah, I got this new mattress for X and X amount of dollars. And I was like, is that good? Like, I don't know how much buying a mattress costs. Cause I just, you know, took the one that my parents gave me when I moved out of the house. So exactly. I, like back, I, I bought a new truck last m- March of last year. And, mm-hmm. you know, like I, I was sitting there with my dad and I was like, dad, I would have not known to ask that question. He was like, why? He's like, you don't know this stuff. I'm like, dad, they don't teach you this shit in school. I don't know if they used to, but they don't anymore. No, absolutely. So, there's so, there's a, so much value in something that could be created, you know, knock on wood, maybe we can do it, but yeah. with something like that, that sort of teaches you how to, how to grow up and how to be 23, 24 and living on your own, because a lot of that shit, you just kind of have to figure it out and they don't, they don't teach you. So I hate that because <laughs> if you would have thrown me at this car dealership and been like, negotiate this vehicle, I would have been, my car payment would probably be $300 higher than it is right now. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And then like on that same note, how to get a loan for your car. Like oh, I God. It's like, dude, what's what's an what's an APR on my car? It's, <laughs> yeah, exactly. it's like, what's an interest rate? Like, two percent good is nine percent good. Like, what? Yeah, exactly. So, there's a lot of value in uh, teaching people like our age how to do that shit because, uh, you know what? Frankly, maybe people want to take advantage of us, so that's why nobody does teach us. Hey, that's that's probably honestly why. <laughs> um, it's like, oh yeah, we'll give you a mortgage at like six percent. There you go. <laughs> yeah, oh, in oh, my that's, that's great. Yeah, my dumb ass is like, oh, okay, that sounds great. Six percent, that's really low. Hundred percent. Oh yeah, we're good. No, can't wait. <laughs> cool, man. Um, so the last pillar of the entertainment talk is the music. I know you're really mute, vocal about the music that you like. Um, on the pod, uh, especially Dave Matthews Band, um, which is yeah. hilarious because my dad listened to the shitload of Dave Matthews Band when I was growing up. Uh-huh. But whenever, whenever people ask me what my childhood was like, I tell them Matchbox Twenty, Google Dolls creed and dave matthews band that's all my dad listened to so that's all that's ever in my head <laughs> and there's some solid that's a solid catalog across the, <laughs> across the board there. you have some jams i remember matchbox 20 and google dolls came to, uh, to saratoga together and yeah. played a concert one night and it, it was there were you know people from like four years old to 40 something oh, years old dude. yeah had a blast but yeah dave matthews Probably because he came to Saratoga so often, two nights uh, a year. I kind of got into him around freshman year of high school and, yeah. and never looked back. I mean, no. I, I think I know if he has 150 songs in his catalog, I think I could I could sing every single one of them. Sure. Um, so that's just kind of been like growing up in upstate New York, suburban, you know, white kid. That was that was our, our anthem was Dave Matthews Band. And yeah. 
along with that, you know, we, we did a lot of like John Mayer is kind of my, yeah. so if I'm listening by myself, you know, yeah. <laughs> in my apartment, I'll blast John Mayer. But like, I've always been kind of into the jam bands, whether it's a twiddle or a fish or even a little, little bit of Grateful Dead. I don't, I don't know enough about them, but sure. stuff like that, just kind of, and then classic rock. I've, I've, I've kind of, I went through a huge like Southern rock phase, you know, CCR and Marshall Tucker band and, and yeah. that kind of stuff in college. Allman Brothers Band, like just nonstop playing that. And I just, you know, the only thing I've never really been into is like hip hop and rap. And even when my buddies got into it, I just, I never, it never connected with me. I was just going to ask, I know, I know Dylan and Will and Dave every once in a while, I'll give like a thug plug or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, So it just, it just never got to you. I mean, you know, it, it just, the only time it did was when, when we were playing football. And because football, like when, like 20, 2008 to 2012, when I was playing football was like Drake at kind of his peak and yeah. that kind of stuff was, was hitting. But by then, and I was playing hockey in the, uh, in the winter hockey had already kind of switched over to like the EDM stuff, the Avicii yeah. of the world. And, and so where, where it used to be rap in those locker rooms, it kind of became the electronic, like, you know, fist bumping. Yeah. Music. And same kind of thing with like baseball was we always did classic rock or CCR or something like that on the bus. So sure. it was only football was the only sport that we had that kind of got us jacked up listening to, to rap. And so I, I did enjoy it then, especially, you know, pregame, postgame with yeah, the boys. Yeah. But, sure. but, but that was kind of it as far as, as that goes. I, I did. I do remember getting Take Care, the Drake uh, mixtape, I guess. I got that as a CD at some point. I, re- I remember having that in my car. So, but other than that, it was pretty limited. Awesome. Yeah. I, I wasn't a huge rap guy until I moved honestly down to Atlanta. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I liked it. I dabbled, but it was just stereotypical artists like Drake or Lil Wayne, you know, the people that artists that everybody loved or at least yeah. knew of. Um, but then when I got down here is when I learned that like almost every single major hip hop artist is from Atlanta the music is in the city it almost is like it's the culture down here man it's it it, it's just hip-hop like this is a hip-hop city just like i'm sure like la is a hip-hop city Mm -hmm. um or compton you know like it's just you could just like feel it like when you're driving if you roll your windows down and five other cars have their windows down four out of those five cars are playing some kind of hip-hop it's 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 just a it's like a movement yeah, and that's that's awesome, and and I probably and you know I definitely I need to give it a chance. You know I I gotten the chance uh, the rapper for a little bit. Yeah, like I need to give it a full scale. Like I need Dave and Dylan and Will to all give me like five songs or five artists and just give it like a full scale run through. Yeah, and I'm sure because I'm sure I would like it. I, I just appreciate good music and good lyrics and good concepts in the music. And and, and you're not wrong because for thinking that because most rap nowadays isn't like 90s rap where they're usually like eminem or you know ice cube or you know dr dre snoop dogg most of those guys are telling a story with their songs nowadays it's just guys rapping about how much money they have or how many bitches they sleep with or you know you know what it, it <laughs> it's just club music it, right it's, it's club music and then a and then a dj goes and puts a you know, beat over it. And that's the remix. And that goes multi, multi platinum. And like, I just, you know, it's, it's just seems, and some people like rock bands do it sometimes too. You see, 
Green Day will come back with a money grab like EP or something with four songs that are all trash or, you know, it's just, I don't know. I, 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 I'm more into the old stuff kind of across the board, like old school pop punk that, you know, the nineties and, and early two thousands blink and simple plan kind of shit like oh, that. Yeah. Oh yeah, man. I'm, I'm going to give you a recommendation in case you haven't heard them. Okay. Um, the band is called the Ataris. Um, oh, they are, that's exactly what I was going to tell you. I was oh, like, yeah. bro, I, I don't know if I'm trash for saying this, but I almost like their version of it better than Don Henley's, even though Don Henley's has a special place. And I think both versions of the song have a, have a time and place because the Ataris is, is more, you know, heavy and more punkish rockish sounding when Don Henley's is something I'd throw on if I was on a boat or something, you know? Oh yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. Um, there's just like, got it. Now, now I'm kind of like Goldfinger and, and, uh, as to what's the str something um but yeah the the yeah the bands like that were all i listened to you know everybody kind of has that like skater phase yeah oh yeah so that was i mean blank and sure um golly all just all those all those kinds of, of bands were were definitely a part of the childhood sure yeah yeah, man, we it, it almost seems like we all had the same childhood. We just lived it in different areas. <laughs> oh, listen to the same music. We all love the same shit. But um, I'm going to ask you uh, one last real question. Um, total day of question. But what's next for Brett uh, and or Washed in 2020? What you got coming down the pipeline? Yeah, I think the biggest thing would be uh, to keep an eye out for more content, more people, more personalities, more channels. I, I don't know if you if you miss the blogs of PGP's old and, and columns of TFM. I've wondered if you guys were going to dive into that kind of stuff because I know they, you know, the guys wrote columns back in the day, and you know, every once in a while they'll still write something. And I've thought I've thought it's going to come back in some fashion. You you may be right sooner than you think. Um, it, it's one of those things where it's really hard to monetize editorial nowadays, right? Unless you have millions upon millions of page views. Sure. It's also really hard to grow podcasts nowadays. Yes. But there's a marriage between the two where it's really easy to get eyeballs on your editorial and really easy to monetize podcasts at any scale. Yeah. And so if you look at that, there's like an X marks the spot kind of in that situation where if we can get people reading blogs and reading columns and convert them into podcast listeners like we did or they did at PGP and with touch and base, then you're looking at, at more business. So yeah, I was just going to say it, it almost just sounds like you just described what Will did with Sunday scaries. Didn't it start out as a blog? And then he was like, wow, I can turn this into something people listen to, but they can also read if they choose to hundred percent. Exactly. So Keep an eye out for that maybe end of year-ish or, or later on. Um, and then just more podcasts. Like we want to have a female-centric podcast. We want to have, uh, you, you know, you see some of the podcasts we do on Patreon. Maybe we make sure. those into, you know, their full free kind of their own feed on Apple and Spotify. Sure. Um, but just more, I think, is the answer um, yeah. to your question. Just look for more across the board, video, podcast, editorial um shoot radio if we get a, an opportunity and look for more stuff of of us doing stuff together like 
you will go play a round of golf or we'll go to a beach or we'll yeah. go on another ski trip type of thing sure. and really turn that into, you know, vlog style content. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I, I just basically more podcasts and more content. I kind of is, is the plan and I'm going to try to sell it. Okay. Awesome, man. Do you want to, do you want to throw any handles, any ads, any plugs? Now's your time to do so. Yeah. Hit me on Twitter and Instagram at Schmerriman, S-H-M-E-R-R-I-M-A-N. Check out the folks at Paradox Brewery. We got to get them down <laughs> in the, uh, in the South. That's my dad's, uh, my dad's craft brewery up in upstate New York, Scroon Lake area. They don't ship yet, but we're working on it. <laughs> nice. uh, but yeah, other than that, man, it's, it, this has been fun. Yeah, bro. Thanks for doing this. You guys, uh, it, 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 it's really awesome that you agreed to jump on here. I've listened to y'all stuff for, for quite some time. And when you agreed, I, I've been quite excited to sit down and talk with you. So man, I'd, I'd love to, to talk or to do, you know, anything in the future. If you guys ever are interested or throw me on a happy hour, I love my air fryer. Uh, we, me, my roommate and I use our air fryer quite often. So, um, when, when you guys started doing the air fryer thing, I was like, Oh, these are going to be some lucky winners because it'll change your life. Um, yeah, I mean, that's what, that's, that's what we're hoping for. So, uh, but the, those have been fun too, man. Just another thing that we, we kind of was like a, a throwaway idea that turned into a staple of happy hours is those, those yeah. different things. So, um, we enjoy it, but yeah, I mean, we're, we're always open to looking at, at new content, new people, new personalities, because that's the way this thing is going to blow up is, is personalities that people can kind of latch onto and grow with. Awesome, man. Well, again, thank you so much for being here, bro. I really appreciate it. Everybody hit the links that Brett talked about. Go listen to wash media's content, Sunday scaries, the mail in circling back and club. Cool. Follow us on Instagram, the Binge Boys podcast, myself, Logan Lewis, 96. Uh, this episode will probably drop on, let's see, Thursday. Yeah, let's say Thursday. This will drop Thursday. So uh, everybody have a good weekend. Brett, thanks so much for coming on, man. Good deal. Thank you guys for having me. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Bye. The hit a big scratcher from the Virginia Lottery could be a big hit for you. The game gives you the chance to win up to $1 million. Virginia Lottery Scratchers. Everyday wins. Visit a lottery retailer near you. For odds and more information, visit VALottery.com.